We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We are finally here. The start of the season is upon us, and there will be college football for the next 19 Saturdays. It is IB countdown to kickoff. We've got Notre Dame and Navy coming up, of course, in Dublin, Ireland. None of us are in Dublin, but uh, we're we're scattered across Indiana and Ohio, <laughs> actually, with uh, Vince D'Addario and Jesse Styers. Sean Stairs, you guys ready to to just light this thing up and get it going? Yeah, pregame pregame uh, number one. It's uh, very exciting. Uh, excited for the season to finally be here uh, and to get this thing underway. You know, there's nothing worse than kind of the lull between the off season and now, um, but it's finally here, and we finally get to stop speculating and and see what this team is all about. I think the best part is you sound excited, Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse's been in cute. He's been accused of indifference, you know, during the, <laughs> during the month of July, especially he was, he's, you know, listeners, viewers, they've come at him. You know, it's like, you're not into this enough, Jesse. Come on. Well, it's season now. You don't have a choice. You're, you're That's all right. In. Let's go. That's exactly I actually, right. uh, I placed all my FanDuel futures today. So I locked them in officially. I, uh, I made some wagers myself. This morning, uh, I, I came up with uh, what I think is going to be a good Notre Dame parlay on this game with some uh, yardage overs and unders oh, and nice. Sam Hartman's touchdowns and things yeah. Like so that. I did a ticket. I did a ticket for this game, and then, like I said, I did season long ones. So I did a lot. Of, I touched a lot of Sam Hartman's props for the season, and then I touched the team team win totals props. And I was so torn because the line is eight and a half, and I I I was torn. Do I take the eight and a half or do I go up to nine and a half? And I actually split them between the two. I split the money between the two because I was so <laughs> I was so indifferent. So the eight and a half is kind of like my security blanket, and then the nine and a half is like I actually expect that to happen. Which would you've be got a little happens. sounds like you've got a little doubt in the back of your mind on what Seriously. this season's going to be. Uh, yeah, eight I don't have half. I don't have doubt doubt, but there's just a security blanket when it comes to my money. You know, it's it's a little uh, bit different. Mm, okay, you place probably upwards of double digit bets. What do you mean you're safe playing safe with your money? I don't know what you're talking about. Jesse's got his money spread everywhere. Right now. <laughs> I have like 12 open bets right now, it's kind of stressful, but oh, it's impressive. Man. 
I didn't wait long enough to do like the like the the single player like prop bets and stuff like that. I'm gonna have uh-huh. to renegotiate. I think tomorrow morning. Like I I've got like spread. You know the the spread of the game and like uh-huh. or you know stuff like that. But nothing. Yeah. Good like individual players parlay that I need to put together for tomorrow morning. I think it was just yesterday that a lot of these game props started coming out on the different uh, betting apps. And Jesse sent me some of them and I was like, Ooh, this makes things more interesting. So we'll get to some of those in rapid fire. We've got a lot of them coming up for Notre Dame game props uh, for, you know, player game props for this game in rapid fire a little bit later some interesting ones and they changed quite a bit overnight as well so i was gonna say if, if you looked at those again today those those overage on some of those uh, wide receivers mm-hmm. are actually down from yesterday yeah exactly well it's notre dame and navy last time these two teams played in ireland it was also the last time they started off a season against one another that was back in 2012 notre dame won 50 to 10 this august 26 kickoff between these two is the earliest that Notre Dame and Navy have ever kicked off in the what's going to be 96 meetings between these two teams, which is interesting. And in the 109 seasons, Notre Dame has won its season opener. They've gone on to post a winning record 93.5% of the time. So quite a bit on this game, I guess, if you look at it that way. How excited are you guys? I'll start with you this time, Vince. How excited for the start of the season are you? I'm fired up, man. Like, I... I really hate speculation and like <laughs> yes talking about the games for what since january right and now we actually have football to talk about like i i've gotten my fix from like high school football but this is co- like this is notre dame like this is different like i'm i am super fired up for the beginning of the season i'm happy they're playing in week zero because it's a week sooner and we're able to get after it a little bit sooner and there's really no other good games on this weekend. So, like, all eyes are on Notre Dame. So, I I, I am super excited to, to kick off the season and get it fired up. And on top of that, while if I was a part of the program, I would be maybe not so happy there isn't a bye after this game. Man, we get football for, like, eight straight weeks. Yeah. Like, that's going to be great until – about week six or so, and I'm like, man, is there going to be a buy in here somewhere? I know. That's what's crazy is there's two buys in this season. But like you said, we've got to wait two months for the first buy to happen. And yeah. then we get another one two weeks later. <laughs> right. Right. So we're going to get a lot of rest uh, the latter third of the season. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I'm excited for some Notre Dame football, man. And I, I, I'm obviously excited for this game, but I'm even more excited for next week when we get to see him in person and all of that. But it, it's Notre Dame football. We get to – have a post-game show and talk about an actual game. Like, let's go, sign me up. Yeah, uh, just kind of following a lot of what Vince was saying there, it's it's good to get the season going. Um, and anytime football starts back up, of course it's really exciting. So I don't care if it's this week or, you know, next week or whenever it might be. It's, to me, is it, starting as soon as possible um, is, is the best thing because we get to see this team out in the field. Um, and you finally get to see a lot of these, you know, like, like I guess you could say toys out on the field. Like, what is Chris Tyree going to look like at wide receiver? What is Sam Hartman going to look like going through the full offense? What is, you know, Tobias, Tobias Merriweather. Merriweather's yeah. the, the development looks like? What are the young guards going to look like uh, along the offensive line? Um, I don't have a lot of questions about the defense because I think that's, you know, they, they are kind of the security blanket of this team this season. I think the secondary um, is going to be very solid. The linebackers are just, you know, very experienced. 
Um, and, and you might see some rotation of, you know, amongst some pieces in there. Um, and then the defensive line, I think, is probably the biggest question mark, you know, who fits where and what that rotation looks like. But again, it's it's going to be fun to see some of these guys cut loose, some of these toys kind of go out there um, and perform. So like that's that's the most exciting part is you get to see kind of a new offense and a new, you know, the the personnel of the offense finally out there and going. Jesse's just going to blow through all of our content in the first eight Serious. minutes of the show here. <laughs> Jeez. Read the outline. Come on. <laughs> if you're stressed about buying tickets or doing some last-minute ticket hunting to college football games, concerts, comedy shows, your favorite activities, Game Time is the place for you. They take the stress out of buying tickets. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theaters near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball games, concerts, comedy shows, theaters, and more. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code IRISH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code IRISH for $20 off. Download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. That's gametime.co. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'm just I, I'm really excited. It's 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 very it's been a while since Notre Dame has had one of these week zero games. And I can't ever remember when they started doing week zero again. But like if Notre Dame wasn't playing this weekend, the best that you would have to watch would be USC San Jose State. I can honestly say I probably wouldn't be watching any football this weekend if Notre <laughs> Dame wasn't playing. So nope. I'm very glad, you know. If they weren't playing also, I guess maybe we'd get a better matchup next week and they might not be playing Tennessee State, but, you know, it is what it is. But I'm very glad that uh, that we get this game, kick off the season right now, 
and then we just jump in with both feet, as as you said, Vince, for the next two months. We've got Notre Dame football. So it's oh, great. Very excited about it. A lot of changes, obviously, over the offseason. You got, you know, both of last year's quarterbacks, Buckner and Pine, transferring out. Interestingly, as we've talked about on IB during the week, looks like neither one of them is going to be a starter at their new schools this year. But well, enter Sam Hartman. So big elevation at the quarterback position. Tommy Reese, of course, leaves for Alabama. Now you've got Jared Parker promoted. Gino Gadouli hired away from Wisconsin to be the quarterback coach. Gary Heastan retires. Enter Joe Rudolph. Um, those uh, And then I, I almost forgot, then you also had uh, arguably the best special teams that we've seen, you know, in the last 40 or 50 years. And uh, he leaves and now enter Marty Biaggi as well as special teams coordinator. It's going to be interesting to see what that looks like. So you guys, are, are you uneasy about any of, you know, all this change going into this season, especially considering we did just have a head coaching change a year ago? Um, I'd say the thing that I am most concerned about um, is, is just Jared Parker overall. And I don't think that I'm not necessarily worried about, you know, the offense and, and the production and stuff like that, but just, getting Jared Parker's wheels kind of going, getting everything kind of synchronized because it is a, you know, a guy that's taking a, a, his first stab at, you know, fully leading an offense, I guess, for the first time. Um, and then the implementation of, you know, how Sam Hartman and everything else kind of works um, into that. I, I just, I'm hoping that we see an offense that's tailored around a lot of Notre Dame's skills um, and what they're trying to accomplish. And so I just hope that that goes well. And I would say that that's, my concern or uneasiness because, you know, that's going to, that's going to dictate really how far this team goes this season. So that would be my uneasiness is just the synchronization of Jared Parker's kind of, you know, what he's thinking and then putting that actually onto the field and it, and it being successful. I'm kind of curious. I've been thinking about that a little bit the last few days, you know, like Parker offensive coordinator, because I, I've kind of listening to, some of the national guys, that seems to be one of the biggest questions they have, Vince, is, well, you lose Tommy Reese, and he's going to Alabama, and now it's it's Jared Parker. What's that going to look like? You know, like, how, how successful is he going to be? I'm at least confident that even if it wasn't his own offense at West Virginia, he was at least he at least has experience as a play caller on game day. I don't know. What about you? No, for sure. And I think what we've been able to see and, and what we've been able to hear kind of, you know, whispers from the program and uh, again, what we've been able to see at practice, like actual living, breathing plays being, you know, uh, gone through. It's I, I like where things are headed. I, I, I feel confident in what Jared Parker's offense is going to look like, because as, as Jesse said, I, I think that it's all about making your offense fit the skill that you have. And I don't mm -hmm. know, like, look, Tommy Reese is, is, is a very smart X's and O's guys. And he always has been sometimes almost too much. So like almost too, too much for his own good. Yeah. And I think that's not going to be the case. Like this is still college. You know what I mean? And I think college offenses, they don't, you don't have to be the smartest guy in the room. You just have to have the better player and you let them play. Players. Sometimes let them yeah. play. Exactly. It's about matchups. Like, Brian and I have said this a million times. It's about the matchups. And if you can take advantage of the matchups, then you're going to have success in college football. And I think Notre Dame has enough pieces offensively where they can take advantage of a lot of matchups. And so I'm hoping, 
I, I believe that Jared Parker is going to be able to do that. And I think my uneasiness, I guess, uh, since that's the question I, you know, at hand is that I just hope that Sam Hartman's everything that I think he is. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I we, we, we've <laughs> sure built him up, you know, exactly. exactly. <laughs> my wallet is sure trusting him. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel real good about it. Now the national media doesn't like, they don't think that he's anything like I, He's not even in the top 10 college quarterbacks from some lists that I've seen, which is ridiculous. It's amazing that it's not only the national media, but as we've talked about with like his season props for this season, Vegas doesn't really believe in him either. His his season over under touchdown pass total is 26 and a half. Drew Pine threw wow. 22 last year. 26 and a half still in Vegas. You hammer the passing that, yards is a little over 2,800 yards, basically. That's crazy to me. That, that's I think him and crazy. I think uh, Pine and Buckner had like, if I'm not mistaken, like 2,300, 2,400 last year. So it's like, again, you're you're telling me a guy Sam with Hartman a not very good offense. It was an inept yeah. offense, is what and it was. So you you take that into consideration, then you you replace Sam Hartman, who is arguably you know I would say top five college quarterback of all time, just based off you know statistics and and stuff like that alone. Um, the guy's gonna gonna get his completions, and so it's. It's just kind of crazy that you take all that consideration. And they don't think that, you know, Sam Hartman's worth five more touchdowns or like, you know, three or four to 500 yards really at the end of the day. And it's, <laughs> I mean, I'm again, I, I'm like slobbering over those numbers. Cause I think those are easy, easy overs to hit. Parlay all of it, baby. Parlay it all, <laughs> make some money. That's what I'm going to be doing. That's right. Was there a concern you guys had going into the offseason or maybe even coming out of the spring and into the summer, whichever way you want to look at it? Was was there a concern that you had that after going through training camp and, and the whole thing that you're maybe not very concerned about or at least not as concerned about right now? I think I was, uh, you know, uneasy, I guess, about what the defensive line was going to look like, the depth and the, the talent and all of those different things, I think. That has solidified throughout the fall. I think I feel really good about that, actually. I think I feel like that could potentially be a strength of this team moving forward. Um, I was always confident in the linebacker. So, it, really, it's it's just a couple of position battles here and there. Honestly, I'm still a little uneasy about the offensive line at, at certain spots. Uh, we'll get to that here in just a second. <laughs> I figured we might. And so, I mean, that's that's really the only concerns I had was a couple of the position battles, how those were going to shake out. But I feel like Marcus Freeman did a good job putting his staff back together um, after some, some, some losses and some retirements and, you know, things of that nature. And I think he did a good job. I think it was a, it was a winding road to get there at times, mm -hmm. but I, I think the destination ended up being in favor of Notre Dame. And, and I think that the rest of the world, the rest of the college football world, is going to see that moving forward. I don't think they see it yet, but I think they will see it in a few weeks. Yeah, I would say the thing that I had kind of, um, you know, concern going into the offseason that I'm not so much concerned about now would be um, the combination of, you know, losing Harry Heaston, uh, Joe Rudolph being the replacement. But not only that, just, um, you know, the, the two guard positions on the offensive line, not only losing Harry Heaston, who's a great developer and a teacher of, you know, the offensive line position, but then you also have two guard spots that are going to be filled by, by guys who haven't played before. So there's a lot of inexperience at wow. those positions. Um, and I don't think I'm as much concerned now just because of hearing, you know, the, it, it wasn't, 
it, it was a process coming to who was going to be, you know, the starting guards at each position. And it wasn't just who everyone kind of assumed it was going to be. It was guys who it sounded like really fought out and earned some spots. And I think that's um, that's what makes me feel some reassurance is, um, it, again, there was actual competition for it, right? It was just it, it involved two guys having to go up against each other and really fighting it out to get that spot. And when that's the case, I feel like when you're working for something and you're earning for something like that, I feel more comfortable about who's going to be in there. Yeah, we'll go ahead and talk about those guard spots right now, and I'll, I'll I'll come back to what I was concerned about that I'm not. Since we're on the topic, though, of of the guards with Pat Coogan on the left side and Rocco Spindler on the right side, I don't think anyone other than Andrew Kristoffic and Andrew Kristoffic's friends and family are overly concerned or disappointed to see Rocco Spindler in that right guard spot. The other side, though, at left guard, as we've talked quite a bit about, with Billy Shrouth being kind of in that pole position coming out of the spring and coming into fall training camp, ending up losing out to Pat Coogan at left guard, I think that there is definitely a lot of shock there. Um, And on top of that, both of these guys are making their first career start today. So, as Jesse and I talked about on the show the other day, I think it's very important that Zeke Carell is going to be available for this game. Hopefully his ankle actually is 100% to have him there. But this this is probably, I don't, it's, it's probably my biggest concern. Just exactly what these two guys are going to look like against this kind of you know, undersized, scrappy Navy defensive front that we saw cause so much trouble for Notre Dame, especially in the second half last year to have two guys who have not been out there and been through it before rookies going into this, this weekend. I I think that's a legit concern. I mean, I, I, you know, I believe if I'm not mistaken, you know, Pat Coogan and Rocco Spindler have a combined one game between them, you know, in actual varsity football at Notre Dame. And now if you would have had Billy Strouth in there, it would have been zero, um, but if you had had Christophic, obviously that number goes way up. So yeah. I, I just people would be, you know, even though Shrouth doesn't have the any more experience than Coogan has, people would still be much more happy with that oh my because gosh. because yes. of the the player rating that he came in with and the name and and all that stuff. A hundred percent, and I probably would feel the same way if I'm being honest. Now I fully expect Pat Coogan to go out there and prove me wrong, and that would be great, and that's what I want to see as a Notre Dame fan. And as somebody that covers the team, but I, I've got some uneasiness about whether that was the right decision or not. And, and are they going to stick with that decision throughout the year? I think that's right. Something that we and, don't know the answer to, you know, look, we didn't get to see a ton of live stuff during training camp. What we saw, I, you know, I didn't see Pat Coogan make any monstrous mistakes that it's like, right. why is that guy on the field? But at the same time, it's like, we didn't see him do it. We, we didn't see him do anything special enough that it's like that reassures us that he's out there, yeah. you know? So, so this is really going to be, we're all going to find out together when they take the field Saturday afternoon. In terms of what I was concerned about going into the, you know, to this, that, that I'm not concerned about right now to kind of circle back to that real quick. I would just say defensive line because during the spring, I felt really good about Jason Onye. The rest of it, and, and fairly good, I guess, about Jordan Botello. I didn't have any issues there. But the rest of it, 
there again, you know, kind of what I was just talking about with Coogan, I didn't necessarily see anything that was like, man, you know, this is going to be a really good defensive line. It was, it was fun to see Jason Onye kind of emerge in the spring, but even then, how many springs have you seen, you know, where a guy will have a monstrous spring and then you don't hear from him again during the season. That's, that's happened plenty of times over the years, but the entire defensive line really elevated during fall training camp. Every opportunity we got to see them, they were doing some good stuff. And we had some of the video and all the different stuff that's happened at like Riley Mills looks like he is going to be a true, like this, can we say that that if Riley Mills has a big year, like Riley Mills hasn't had what you'd call a breakout season yet, right? Like he's going into his senior season. Riley Mills hasn't really broken out. And I think he is going to break out legit this season. And there were obviously questions about Al Washington, both from the recruiting aspect and from the developmental aspect sure. after one season. And what we've seen in training camp says the developmental side is there. Now it has to be put into action on the field on Saturdays, but I feel, and I, I was talking about this with Jesse and maybe it was when I was by myself on Wednesday, like you guys both know that I'm a little bit more cautious before I go all in, you know, like, like fully backing, you know, anything or, or anyone, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I definitely have a little bit more wait and see sort of approach, but I feel on this defensive line, I feel really good about this defensive line. And if the, Trust me on this, because there are still people, obviously, who want to knock the linebackers, and there are things to knock with these sure. veteran linebackers. They have not been perfect. I'm not saying that by any means. But if this defensive line plays the way I think it's going to play, it's only going to make the linebackers that much better, and it's going to take care. Like, there was so much on the linebackers last year because the defensive line was just not contributing enough. But I think it's all going to come together this year based on what we've seen. It's only going to help the the linebackers. I mean, I think the linebackers are going to take a step forward, a big one, actually. And it's going to be even bigger if the defensive line can be who we think they can be. Right. And really just take up a bunch of space and allow those guys to roll. Because, look, any linebacking core is going to be better if they're not having to fend off a bunch of offensive linemen. I mean, that's just common sense. And so, yeah, I think the, the defensive line, it's all one cohesive unit. I know that's cliche, and everybody has to do their job. and all, But – it's true. I mean, if the defensive line is is forcing double teams and not letting those offensive linemen climb, linebackers going to be able to scrape and make plays. Yep. Period. Yeah, and I think that's ultimately what's going to happen this season. The the linebackers are just going to stay more clean. You know, those linemen aren't going to have it as easy of a time getting to the second level. Um, and my man JD Bertrand's going for 130 tackles this season. <laughs> Ooh, 130. That was his bold prediction. He's sticking to it. And I like it. <laughs> it up there. All right. So what's the biggest question you guys have about this team going into the season? Honestly, I'm going to say my biggest question is Marcus Freeman. And, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I just, he, you know, he got a year under his belt. He obviously made some mistakes last year. We can all agree on that. Let I am, I am really curious as to how he navigates this season, whether it's, you know, managing the success, whether it's managing some of the not-so-successful games and how you bounce back, you know, what is his maturation process as a head coach? We, we don't know that, you know what I mean? And I think he does a really good job of self-reflection and all of those different things. He's going to be able to show us that, I think, this year. Is there going to be a Marshall and a Stanford on this year's schedule? 
right? I mean, you can't have those. And you can you can almost make it, you know, it was a one-off last year, but that's a huge knock right now. Mm-hmm. And he kind of make people forget about that. You know what I mean? And so how does he navigate? How is he as a head coach? Is he going to be more involved? Is he going to be less involved in some play? Like that's, those are big questions for me from a big picture standpoint. Yeah. I'm going to kind of piggyback off of something Vince said there. I think my biggest concern would be, is Notre Dame going to be prepared and play uh, how they play against USC, Ohio state at Clemson against Tennessee state, Duke, uh, Stanford, you know, this season, I think that, the biggest concern has got to be, are they going to, you know, show up for every game? Like it's every game is that, that important game at the end of the day. Right. And so, because you can't, you can't not do it. And we saw last year what that led to. And I just don't think you'll get as many mulligans this year. And people aren't going to be as gracious as they were last year. And and that's people weren't even gracious last year. Right. Like, and so imagine what that would look like again, people don't want to see the same mistakes committed, over and over again because that's when you're going to get into some trouble. So Notre Dame has to show up to every game uh, with the same mental preparation and the same preparation, you know, on the field. It, it can't be, you know, at times looking really good against Clemson and then looking like crap against Stanford. Yeah. I mean, Marcus Merriman showed last year that he could sort of learn on the fly and, and was able to correct some things from week to week to his credit you know, after, after they lose to a team like Marshall and then right. – Stanford, you know, unfortunately, you don't want to lose to historically the the worst Stanford team in the last 15 or 20 years to to have to learn that lesson. And that's the biggest thing now. It's like, okay, you learn those things last year. But as you said, there's a lot less grace period now because you've got a really talented football team. But Marcus Freeman is still just in year two as a head coach. He seems like he has been a sponge and he has done a lot like. Because it's, it's, it's not just that he's showing up like at the lacrosse games and the women's basketball games and the hockey games. He is actually engaged with those head coaches of those different sports and spent time with all of them being a sponge and trying to learn about how to become a better head coach. And, you know, there's, there's, there's only so much, I guess, sort of book learning you can do. You actually, you obviously have to put it into practice. But I think that, that based on, just the organization there's there's nothing that i've seen either in the spring or in the fall when we've been out there at practices that says what you know like what is this guy doing i I like the way he's kept things competitive but i also like the way you know again learning from last year he's sort of dialed things back to some extent with with the whole you know lessening reps when he needs to keeping these guys fresh coming out of training camp so that their bodies are ready to go going into the season, you know, and, and, and again, minimizing injuries as much as possible. So I, I, I there's a lot of learning to that, that's, that's been done, but again, it's, is that going to show up as consistency during the season? That's, that's a big one. Is this ACC winning streak going to continue? How long is it going right. to continue? They've won 28 straight in the regular season coming into this year. And, you know, We all have that uh, BK PTSD and bad taste in our mouths for a lot of things that he did, but he did figure out how to win a lot of football games. Not not just, you know, you, we can knock him for not winning enough big games, but he won all the games he was supposed to. And that's, I think, Marcus Freeman's biggest charge right now is, okay, sure. now you've got to win consistently, week in and week out, regardless of who the opponent is. 
because I feel like he's shown us he can he can win the big game. Like yeah. I mean, I, I feel like he's shown us that. But now you got to win the other ones. That's going to be really important. Yep. So how important is this season for Freeman and for Notre Dame, do you think? I would say that there are th- – this season is pretty significant because, again, it's Marcus Freeman's second year. He is a young coach. Those things are taken in consideration. Um, but, that again, those things can only be true and, and you know, kind of last for so long before people start to give you a, a different kind of level – um, of scrutiny, right? So I, I think that again, you can't you can't make the same mistakes as you did last year, um, and I think that's going to be an important thing among the fan base. And I think um, with the high-profile games at home, I think there's an expectation that you win at least one of those, right? And I, obviously, everyone wants to win both of those, um, but I think as long as you don't go zero and two and you take one of those again, big ones, either USC or Ohio State at home. I think that that's, you know, another expectation for them. So I think it's going to be, can Marcus Freeman now settle into, again, that, that, that new feeling is going gonna, is gonna to wear off, right? And so can Marcus Freeman settle into the expectations of Notre Dame and not let it, you know, overtake him, essentially? He's got to control the expectations and not the other way around, not the expectations um, can control him. And I think it's a good opportunity for him because this is a more of a staff that he has put together. Um, and so I think that is more so uh, leads to, again, more expectations because he has had more say in putting now the, the roster together, putting together of the coaching staff. Like there's just more on Marcus Freeman now and it's year two. And again, uh, it, it's, he's no longer, you know, looked at as the guy that everyone wanted to be a head coach. He's the head coach now and you have to, you have to perform and live up to those kind of expectations this season. Yeah, I think this this year is massive. I mean, we I, I know that he's got a five year deal and you know all those things, but if, if he lays an egg this year and, and by laying an egg, I mean nine and four, that that's laying an egg. I mean, and yeah, that back to back four loss seasons, right? That's yeah. you're not going to have too many people's confidence anymore, and no. and I get that, and and it's it's a what have you done for me lately kind of a scenario, and I I understand why that is, and. You mentioned all the things that he's doing in the offseason and, 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 you know, picking brains and, and going to events. And, I mean, he is doing everything. Like, he is the ideal guy for this job, everything outside of the football program. Yeah, now you just got to win. I mean, now he's got to win. That's exactly right. I mean, yep. he's, he's, a, he's darn near a model for Under Armour. He's, he goes to all the events. You know, he went to the White House with his mom. I mean, he's doing all of these things, and they're all wonderful, wonderful things. Now you got to win. And I'm not saying he's got to go out and win a national championship. He's got to win 10 games. I mean, you got to win 10 games. And I I hate to say it, but I think it's got to be 10 regular season games. And so uh, that's, the, that's the floor for me. And so can he do it? And what does it look like while he's doing it, right? Because not all 10 and twos are created equal, but – 10 wins will go a long way to keeping people on his side. I don't have a whole lot to add to what you two guys have said, but I'll just say this as well. Coming off an 8-4 and four regular season that turned into 9-4 and four after they won the bowl game last year, you're going into – you've got a new athletic director who's going to be taking over a year from now, which is a guy who didn't hire him. Right. And you you also are in the midst – 
with college football realignment and everything that that TV contract means to Notre Dame, you're you're in the midst of if it's not being if it if the TV contract renewal with NBC or whoever else is not being actively negotiated right now, it's going to be negotiated at at some point within the next year or so after this regular season takes place. So so now it's like you've got this, as you said, very, very affable, very likable head coach with all these different things that are going for him. But at the end of the day, if a TV network is going to shell out millions and millions of dollars for a big renewal of a TV contract, they want better than an eight and four regular season. So that's that, that's kind of, you know, that's that's at least in the backdrop. That's everyone's aware of that. And again, with a new athletic director coming aboard who didn't hire the head coach. And that's that's always Jack Swarbrick came in. He didn't hire Charlie Weiss. He had to make a decision relatively soon. So and I'm not saying that, you know, Marcus Freeman's on the hot seat or any of that kind of stuff. But it's it's all it's all there. It's it's expectations. Yeah, it's all a factor. You know, let's talk a little bit about. Navy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Jesse, do you have your whiteboards that you used the other day? Yeah, I got a couple on me today. So the the one offensively that I would like you to talk about a little <laughs> bit, and I don't want to go like too deep on the whiteboard just because we're not doing a live show today. You know what I mean? So, um, but I mean, I do want you to to – to, to bring it up and talk about it. The two things that I found were most interesting when you were talking about the depth of what the halfback does, whether he goes, you know, a little bit more shallow or deeper on his motion and what that means. And then also what you were talking about, um, what Kennesaw state grant chestnut, of course, I should introduce this for people who haven't maybe uh, been as attuned to it. Grant chestnut is the new Navy offensive coordinator he was with former Navy head coach Paul Johnson back in Paul Johnson's Navy days and then followed him to Georgia Tech. And then he went from Georgia Tech to Kennesaw State, where he was the offensive coordinator. There is more passing in the Kennesaw State triple option offense than there has been in the Navy triple option offense. Navy averaged about 85 passing yards a game last year. Kennesaw State averaged 135. So about 50 more yards per game. But some of the stuff Jesse brought up yesterday – specific to the way that how they use the quarterback as as a keeper of the ball and where they 
where they run the quarterback, I thought was really interesting stuff. So we're bringing up here. Here's the old wing T offense that uh, we've all seen quite a bit before. So Jesse, I'll let you kind of take it from here. Just a couple of those nuances that you were talking about with how Kennesaw state specifically like to use its wingbacks and its quarterbacks in this option attack. Yeah. So what I'll start with first is, you know, this fullback is either going to take a, um, you know, a, a more hard line dive kind of towards the a gap, or it's going to be a more of like a veer towards the tackle. And right away, what that establishes is who, who the quarterback is reading. If it's coming down the a gap, he's reading this interior defensive lineman. Um, and if it's going to be more of a veer scheme, he's going to be, you know, reading this, uh, this defensive end. So anytime that these guys crash, that means the quarterback's going to keep it. If they, in terms of widen or get, you know, a little bit outside, then that's when you're going to see the ball handed off to the fullback. So that's, that's first and foremost of, you know, what's coming um, right now, right at you with the read. The, the, they are isolating either the defensive tackle um, or the defensive end. And that's kind of, you know, who they're, who they're reading in terms of that first option um, within the triple option. So I will say that first. And then I, I will say, you know, uh, I would expect this again this year, um, but they, they more so like to read the interior defensive line. That's more of kind of their triple option, I guess you could say. Um, and, and again, this is just based off of what I've seen from Kennesaw State. But the reason for that is, is they like to really run this quarterback between the tackles. Um, and so uh, when you're running that, you know, when you're reading the defensive tackle, that's important for the quarterback, um, keeping it and essentially kind of running or snaking his way kind of between the tackles. So um, that is something to look for, you know, first and foremost. Uh, give me a second. Here. I'm going to try to delete a couple pieces uh, that I have. And then another thing that I've noticed, um, you know, when they want to go uh, more inside uh, option routes, this their, their wing tee back will lead you to, uh, a lot of times to kind of what the play is looking like. If this is a more, you know, on the snap of the ball, you see these wing tee guys moving a lot. Maybe it's pre-snap. Maybe it's right on the snap of the ball. You know, maybe it's a, a deep motion trying to get back in here, or, or maybe it's kind of an underneath motion through here. What the underneath motion is going to do is the quarterback a lot of times will fake to this fullback. He will he'll you know take out this gap. Um, the this other wing T will kick out kind of the last man on the line of scrimmage, and now the wing T back going towards the play is going to be become another lead blocker um, for the quarterback. So essentially, this quarterback after faking to the fullback is going to have a, a convoy of kind of three lead blockers through the hole and he's going to be able to kind of sit back and knife his way you know read you know what's the open lane um to go through here and again i think that's going to be quarterback follow type stuff through those through those yeah, quarterback guys. follow quarterback power you know yeah. whatever you want to call it and it's again it's really predicated by this this wing t back because if he gets depth what uh, what's kind of considered a full orbit kind of motion then the quarterback's going to fake this and then this guy because he's deep they're going to try to get more on the perimeter and keep phase. But when he cuts kind of underneath here, it's because he wants to be a lead blocker through the hole. And as soon as the quarterback decides, you know, hand to the fullback or not, now he's following with another lead blocker um, through the hole. And again, this wing T formation is something that is a favorite of theirs. I would say that, you know, a lot of watching their film, it's, it's 
everything's based out of this, right? Yeah. And so whether or not you bring in these, you know, these other wide receivers, you might see that too. So where all 11 players are technically in the box. Sure. But it's, it's still the same fundamental plays, right? It's just kind of, and when they want to, if they do spread these guys out, they're really going to spread them out because that creates a big, um, basically a big value way uh, for the quarterback and the pitch man, if they ever want to get in phase, you know, kind of out here. So the more sure. you spread this wide receiver out, the more space that you're allowing these guys to kind of work um, in here. So that's something I would really kind of look at, you know, spacing of these wide receivers, because it tells you, I think, you know, what kind of plays they're trying to get into. And again, following these up back or these wing tees um, and seeing if they're getting more of a deep motion or more of an underneath motion, because I would say if you see underneath motion, then you're going to see a lot of, you know, the quarterback and fullback staying between the tackles. Okay. You've got uh, you've got a board that looks like John Madden's board right now, the old <laughs> Telestrator on there. They are expected. Navy is expected to use two quarterbacks, Ty Lavatai, as well as Blake. And I think that plays an important part because I think there's going to be a guy who's a little probably a bit thicker and tougher between the tackles, and there's going to be a guy who's a little bit you know maybe speedier or quicker on the edge, and you'll see him get into more of a a true phase kind of triple option. But I think sure. that would be the variance between why they have two and what they would be being used for. And again, this is my best guess. It could all be wrong, but I, I would say that that's kind of what you could expect out of the different quarterbacks. One's going to be, be more of a between the tackle runner. The other one's going to be a more outside kind of perimeter runner. Yeah. And it feels like Vince, like that's where the difference in the quarterback might make a difference is just, you know, between those things that he's talking about and also with a, with an offensive coordinator, who's at least known to throw a little bit more, which one's, the better passer because sure. we do know Lava Tai was only a 46% passer last year. Yeah. I mean, it's tough when you bring in a guy like this to run an offense. That's, that's just different enough that you need guys that aren't maybe on your roster right now. You know what I mean? And they're going to try to piece it together with two different quarterbacks. But as Jess was saying, like that might tip your hand as to what you're going to be doing. And you know, that could be bad for Navy. Or it could be good because maybe one guy's going to try to do what the other guy does better. Whatever, right? So a yeah. lot of question marks going into this game from an offensive coordinator standpoint, from a quarterback standpoint, you know, all of it. It's going to be very interesting. But at the end of the day, it's going to be all about does the defense just stick with their fundamentals and stick Carry with their Exactly, Vince. That's as boring as it gets. You know, right. you, you have to do your assignment, even if it's taking you away from the ball technically because it's just right. – the one time that it doesn't, and then you're not, you know, you bite on something you're not. Well, that's that's the fullback hitting up the middle for, you know, a 30-yard yep. gain or whatever it might be. Right. So, like, that's – you just have to stay so disciplined, and it gets gets very monotonous play after play after play. And then you throw in the fact that it's just on you so quickly. That fullback is on you so quickly, and those offensive linemen are on you so quickly. And so it's just – it's being disciplined but while also kind of, you know, under pressure at the same time because, again, it just happens so fast. They're on you very quickly. Right, and they're, they're, they're counting on you to get bored. Like they're counting on right. an offensive player to get bored and do something they're not supposed to do. Yeah, like That's the whole script. point of yep. the triple option. Yep. Real quickly, let's talk about the other side of the ball. It, I, it was just such a weird game last year how Notre Dame was able to dominate the first half and then Navy just dominated the second half even more than Notre Dame dominated the first half. And a big part of their comeback, obviously, was they shut out, their defense shut out Notre Dame. In the second half, all 35 points by the Irish scored in the first half. A lot of it. Ryan Roberts had a good article on uh, 
on uh, Irish Breakdown earlier this week about their striker. Their leading tackler last year was John Marshall. And he finished the Notre Dame game with six tackles and one and a half sacks. He applied a lot of different pressure. He's gone now, but Xavier McDonald is their guy. Um, so, Jesse, as we, we look at this, and Vince, you can kind of chime in as well, just on – I'm curious, one, you've got a quarterback with Sam Hartman's experience. Two, we expect a lot more RPO from, from Hartman and Notre Dame this year in the in the offense and from Jared Parker, obviously, how much that can come into, you know, into play in terms of slowing down that Navy pressure that was so successful in the second half last year. Yeah. So I'll kind of go first here. And this is this is um, a typical formation that you saw in the second. I went back and watched the, the second half of Notre Dame um, and Navy last year. And this was a typical kind of defensive alignment. And this is a, you know, a typical, you know, offensive formation that we saw at a Notre Dame last year. So I'm going to go out and actually say, I don't think this is more so has to do with the striker position itself. Um, I think it's just what they're accomplishing with the striker. And uh, you can see like, look how wonky this looks. The the, the right tackle has three guys on the outside of him um, in this formation being the third far, this guy being that actual striker, right? You only have one interior defensive lineman and he's over the center now you have two uh, basically defenders outside of the, the left tackle on the other side. So really wonky kind of looking set. But really what all they're doing with this is I, I just think that they wanted to get Notre Dame to look at something that they weren't used to seeing. Right. And so they brought all these guys out. And it, it was just a lot of, to me, disguise for bringing variations of five and six man pressures. And that's really what gave Notre Dame a fit. They didn't know you know, based on how guys were lining up and then, you know, the different, you know, and just to kind of draw something up here, for example, you know, maybe, maybe this guy kind of, you know, stays to the outside um, and and comes off the edge. This guy kind of loops in here and this other guy is now coming off the edge too. So you got two guys working off the right tackle. Um, You know, maybe these guys do a different stunt and this guy comes in here, or maybe this other outside guy doesn't even come, right? He drops into coverage. That was, that was the entire game that they were playing with this addition of the striker position is they were and giving confusing, confusing and inexperienced quarterback. Conf, it, it, yes. Confusing and inexperienced quarterback. And that leads <laughs> me to my next point of why I don't think this is such a big deal because Sam Hartman can slide protection. Sam Hartman can audible when he sees three guys outside of his right tackle. There's probably someone coming off the edge there, right? Like he has the experience and knowledge of being in a lot of games right. to be able to recognize, okay, we can shift protection here and we don't need to overreact. You know, it's just another, you know, if you stay on your cues and your landmarks as an offensive lineman, this really isn't a big deal. Again, it's just, they're bringing five and six man pressures with a different disguise on it. And really that's kind of what I took away from the situation last year. Excellent description, Vince. Yeah. I mean that you nailed it and you, you, what you also nailed was the fact that I don't think it's going to be a problem this year because you've got a guy with, in his sixth year, who has seen everything. I mean, he has seen teams try to bring – With bad offensive lines. Right, (laughs) and that's exactly right. He's not dealing – all the question marks we have about this year's offensive line, right, if we have any, they're still in a way better position than any other offensive line that Sam Hartman has ever taken snaps behind in his entire career. And so he's going to be able to move and shift those guys. He's going to be able to get rid of the ball. He's going to be able to hit. Hot route, hot route. 
hit his running backs on on swing passes. I mean, how much have we seen the running backs get involved in the passing game during practice, Sean? I mean, they're they're very involved, and yeah. they refuse to throw to the running back last year when the running back was wide open. And so, if you want to bring five and six man pressures, be my guest because there's going to be guys that are open. And guess who's going to find those guys? Number ten. This year's number ten. And so I, I feel like Navy is going to give this a shot early, and <laughs> it's going to backfire on them. And then they're going to sit in base and they're going to try to do the best that they can to prevent Sam Hartman from ripping them apart. And it's kind of a damned if you, damned if you don't. If you're Navy, I feel like that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I mean. Just, just the way Jesse drew it up there, and obviously for people listening to the podcast who didn't see what Jesse was drawing up, you essentially had three defenders sitting outside the tackle with no tight end on that side, but you've got a tight end on the other side. So if you've got three on one, just you're going to win that matchup every time. It's just an overload. All, all Sam Hartman, all Drew Pine needed to do was move the tight end from the left to the right over to where all the bodies were and at least give himself one more blocker on that side. And, and again, that's, that's something that a veteran like Sam Hartman is like, like the back of his hand. As soon as right. he sees it, that's what he's going to do. I bet it had to drive Tommy Reese crazy because of like how, not how simple that was, but just, it didn't feel like Drew Pine was thinking on his feet. Right. And so it's like, he just kind but, of was sitting back there and going through the same motion and not listen, wanting to make the big mistake. I, I agree with what you're saying, but that can also be where like Tommy Reese can be the smartest guy in the world but if he wants to, you know, sort of be the puppet master on the sideline, you, you've got to you've got to allow your quarterback to be able to think on his feet. You've got right. you've got to sort of embolden him to be able to do some of that on his own. I, we don't know exactly what that relationship was like, but it sure seems like the way Tommy Reese went about most things that that maybe that wasn't you know. And again, I get it. You've got an inexperienced young quarterback out there, so there's only so much leeway you're going to give him. But at the same time, that seems like a simple communication thing, like in between series, you can see, you know, where Tommy Reese can say, look, you've got three guys over there with, with uh, outside of one blocker. You, you've got to, you know, shift some protection. It's it, it shouldn't be that hard, but maybe because Tommy Reese did want to run things so much that, that that wasn't an option for Drew Pine. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I know that's a good call. I mean, I, this is where the scan offense comes in and, and I, but know, yeah. I, and that scan offense is supposed to take care of some of that. Right. Or like, if they see it, they're supposed to be able to change things themselves. So. Right. And the, and, and the, but one of the problems with the scan is you're sitting there and you're waiting and then you're moving and yeah. it's, everything is in slow motion. Exactly. Whereas with Sam Hartman, he's going to be able to put guys where they need to be without having to look to the sideline and, and things like that. He'll get yep. them into the right play by himself. And, it, and it's not necessarily a knock on Drew Pine. Drew Pine wasn't even supposed to be the starter last year. Right. You know, I mean, it, and that's we, Drew Pine is Drew Pine. And they, they did end up winning pretty the game. good with the situation. That was pretty <laughs> right. They, they put up 35 points in the first half with Drew Pine, a quarterback. You know what I mean? And so yeah. they just didn't adjust. Well, the, the guy did game. throw four touchdown passes. In the right. So, right. So, I mean, we can knock Drew Pine, rightfully so. But we also have to give him praise, rightfully so, for what went on in the first half. Right. So they got to be able to put together the full game. Period.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.